It's 2024. That's crazy, right? And in the new year, millions of people are going to attempt a health reboot and maybe to try to lose a few pounds. But here's the facts. 23% of people quit their New Year's resolutions by the end of the first week and 43% quit by the end of January. Why? Number one, they don't have a sustainable habit building method. And two, their weight loss plan is extreme and not flexible. So when life gets a little crazy, their plans get derailed, and guess what? It's all over. But I've got great news. Our team at AIM7 has put together a simple and easy-to-implement playbook for toning up and shedding some unwanted pounds. And when paired with our app and its proven habit-building framework that we teach you, you can not only reboot your health, but you can get results that stick. This manual has everything you need from a calorie and macro calculator, shopping list, a supplement list, exercise guide, and more. And here's the best news. It's absolutely free when you join AIM7 as an annual member. And from now until January 19th, it's only $97 to join. That's a 36% savings of an annual membership. With AIM7, you get customized workouts tailored to your equipment, time demands, and more. Also, you get 30% off Thorn Supplements as an annual member, which is a deal you can't find anywhere online. To take advantage of this offer, click the link in the show notes and sign up for an annual membership today. Again, this is a limited time offer that expires soon. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Is it possible that your gut could be wreaking havoc on your mental health? About 45 million Americans suffer from GI issues like irritable bowel syndrome. And today, Dr. Megan Reel joins me to discuss how gut issues impact our mental health. Dr. Reel is an associate professor of medicine at the University of Michigan and an expert in psychogastroenterology. With over 15 years of clinical experience, Dr. Reel now runs one of the first GI behavioral health clinics in the country, and she's here to pull back the curtain on the gut-brain connection, how digestive disorders take a toll on our mental health, and what we can do about it. Today, we're going to discuss the pathophysiology behind IBS and how the gut-brain feedback loop operates. We're going to talk about how diet, lifestyle, and environment shape GI distress, we're going to also talk about practical coping tools to tame anxiety about bathroom access and cutting edge treatments tailored specifically for GI patients. If you or someone you know struggles with digestive issues, this is going to be a very impactful episode. And we've got another episode coming up with Dr. Real. We're going to get even more practical. So let's get right to it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Megan, I'm very thankful that our friend Kathy introduced us, and uh, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for quite some time. I want to start off, and I'm going to butcher this, I know, but you are an expert in psychogastroenterology. Can you explain what that is? Yes. Thank you for having me. As a clinical psychologist, I studied generally, so general mental health research, assessing mental health disorders, and then subspecialized over the years into health <laughs> and then into GI. And so um, it really wasn't until about 2017 that we had the term psychogastroenterology. 
So at a, a national conference, a few of us actually sat in a room in a restaurant in New York City and came up with what are we going to call ourselves? There's a small group of psychologists that are specializing in gastroenterology, and we need to label this because we're not going away. We're becoming more and more important in treatment plans for many patients with GI conditions. And we felt that it was important that we highlight kind of the evidence-based psychology portion of what we do in the management of gastroenterology. So that's kind of how psychogastroenterology came to mind. But you might also hear gastropsych. You might hear GI psychology. So there's still some fight for what the actual, you know, appropriate terminology is, but it all basically means that we are clinical psychologists applying evidence-based psychological therapies to help with the management of GI conditions. It's not very often that you get to name your own field. So <laughs> kudos to you. I hope the meal was good. Let's talk about GI issues. A lot of people suffer from inflammatory bowels. IBS, you know, it just seems to be rampant. Like children now are having GI issues. What are the most common ones and what are the impacts of these issues on our health and what are trends are you starting to see here in the States? Yeah, there was a recent global internet study that looked at the prevalence of what are called disorders of gut-brain interaction. So this is another terminology change. We used to call them functional bowel disorders, and IBS is the most popular and most prevalent under that um, diagnosis or that umbrella. But we got rid of the terminology functional because a lot of times with these diagnoses, a patient is in significant pain. They are experiencing diarrhea, constipation, nausea, stomach upset. They go and they get a medical workup which would include sometimes colonoscopy or endoscopy. And what many people with these diagnoses have heard is that, hey, everything looks good. No major problems. Here's a PPI, proton pump inhibitor for your GERD symptoms, or, you know, take some Miralax to help with that constipation. But, you know, you don't have stomach cancer and, you know, there's no inflammatory bowel disorder. And, and so, you know, there's nothing functional about this. There's nothing functional about the experience of that. And so what really is at the heart of these disorders of gut-brain interaction are difficulties between the way the brain and the gut are communicating. And as I said, the most popular that we hear about, I think, is irritable bowel syndrome and IBS. So about 45 million Americans have IBS. And that's fun at a go to a concert. And think about one in 10 people having IBS. That's a lot of people with bathroom yes. issues. And in fact, going to a concert for somebody with IBS can be a nightmare because you're, mm -hmm. you never know. The uncontrollability, unpredictability of bathroom access is a huge driver of stress. But other GI conditions include something called functional dyspepsia. That's where you're experiencing symptoms more so in the tummy. So nausea, stomach pain. You might feel full after having meals quickly. And then there are upper GI conditions too that are less talked about, but also very interesting. Functional dysphagias, difficulty swallowing, something called globus, where it feels like there's a ball stuck in your throat. And those are really fun to treat as a GI psychologist because a lot of times 
either the option is medication, but if there's no organic reason to necessarily feel those symptoms, the medication isn't totally successful. So we really have to address the nerve sensitivity that drives those symptoms. Mm. And globally, about 40% of people will have a DGBI. And out of that 40%, about 30% will have two of them. So, you know, we oftentimes see it as you have IBS and you have, you know, an esophageal complaint, or you have IBS and you have dyspepsia. So it's, it's extremely common. And that's just for those that we serve it. There's lots of people that probably just are living with their symptoms and don't even bother to go to a doctor. And has this been increasing in prevalence over the past, let's say, 20 years? Well, yes. And then I think COVID. We see a lot of GI distress or patients that already had GI problems having an exacerbation of their symptoms after COVID. And for a variety of reasons, both the structure of the virus, but also I think probably the psychosocial aspects of the virus and what that's done to our world over you know, that period of time and beyond. So yes, I think the prevalence of, of GI conditions is increasing. And also in, you know, patients that have inflammatory bowel disease, which is a different kind of mechanism in terms of symptom presentation and, and having a more organic cause for symptoms. But we are also seeing increasing rates of inflammatory bowel disease. My goodness. Now, a lot of us have kind of heard about the gut-brain axis, right? How does your gut, first of all, explain what that is, explain what the connection is for folks. And then I'd like to understand and really discuss like how our gut impacts our mental health. So if you've ever had butterflies before going out on a sports field or giving a talk or going on a date, then you've experienced the brain-gut connection. And really what that is, is your brain kind of assessing a situation and producing different chemicals and your gut responding. And so in those instances, you may get out on the field and start playing and the sensations go away. Or you might go to the bathroom once and then you're fine. Mm -hmm. In my patients, and, and we look at the pathophysiology of this, when you have a GI condition, when you start to experience those symptoms, they don't go away. They actually get amplified. And the reason for that is related to how much our brain is focusing on those sensations and also the way the sensations are sending signals up to the brain saying, hey, pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. And you get stuck in this feedback loop of okay, I'm going to pay attention to you. And now that hurts. That really hurts. And so something that drives that related to the brain gut connection is your nerves and the nerves that line the entire digestive tract. There's hundreds of millions of them. And we know that in patients that have especially disorders of gut brain interaction, those nerves are more sensitive and the brain has a harder time down regulating the signals from the gut. So it's this bi-directional communication pathway that kind of gets out of whack. Is there a difference between genders? We do see a slightly higher prevalence in females. But in my clinical practice, this is anecdotally, I see men and women at pretty high levels across the board and across lifespan too. 
What about children? Pete's is not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, there are not as many GI psychologists in, in kind of this area, though I would suspect that more general mental health providers are seeing those anxious kiddos and a common symptom is stomach ache. We're learning so much, right? It's kind of like laying down the tracks as the train is moving. I mean, to your point earlier, you guys created your own name for your field just recently at a restaurant, right? I can imagine as people become more aware of these issues that they're going to start recognizing what's happening with children. And maybe it's not just something they've made up. Maybe there's something actually going on. Before we get into the mental component of this and how it affects our mental health, how much of this is driven by the food that we eat? Well, there's definitely a component to it. And there's a good deal of literature supporting making dietary changes when you have IBS. A lot of times we'll look at pulling out foods that are higher in FODMAPs, which are fermentable carbohydrates. Big culprits are garlic and onions and apples. So there's a low FODMAP diet that we recommend working with a dietitian, though, you know, that's kind of at one end of the extreme. And and it may be that you're just making gentle changes to your diet. But if you're having GI symptoms and you take a look at what you're eating in a day, I mean, it's highly processed, it's, you know, not a lot of fruits and vegetables, or you're restricting meals. So I see that a lot because a lot of times food triggers symptoms. And so food is one thing that we think we can control. And I'll get a lot of patients that will say, I don't eat until I'm done with everything for the day. I avoid. And food is one piece of this, but there are several other components that we really need to look at for people. So how does this GI distress or these GI conditions, how are they affecting our mental health? Well, we see higher rates of anxiety and depression in people that have both disorders of gut-brain interaction as well as inflammatory bowel disease. And so it's something to consider if you're a medical provider, I always encourage, ask how people are doing emotionally. You know, I know that they're coming to the office to make that diarrhea go away, but we need to ask how they're doing emotionally and how their stress is and do they have resources to help them manage that. And so when we have higher levels of anxiety and depression, we see more severe symptoms for a variety of reasons, meaning maybe you're not sleeping well, maybe you're not exercising, maybe you're avoiding social situations, all things that are good for mood management. And so it's really our job to help assess general mental health and then also look at the way having a GI condition can impact your mood. So if I use the concert as the example, you may not go to concerts because you're terrified you're going to need a bathroom. And what if there's a long line? And what if you have an accident? And what if, you know, what if, what if, what if we catastrophize? So we use our different behavioral therapies to really hone in on the GI specific aspects that can affect somebody's anxiety as well as their mood. And newer research is emerging, but we're actually seeing higher rates of post-traumatic stress in patients that have GI conditions. And so that's a whole nother area of assessment and making sure that we connect them with the right resources. 
Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, if you learned something new about the mind-gut connection, then pre-order the book, Mind Your Gut, the science-based whole body guide to living well with IBS. You can get it from Dr. Real's website. Also make sure to follow her on social media. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.